Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Be Careful Out There. I'm Chris. And I'm Kelsey. And today I have another strange disappearance to talk about. The disappearance of a young woman named Maura Murray back in 2004. This story comes recommended from our Patreon, JD. So thank you, JD, for supporting us and for suggesting that we cover this case. I had a lot of fun learning this one, and I'm excited to share it with everyone. I'm excited to hear it. So, Maura Murray lived in Hanson, Massachusetts, and she was a bit of an overachiever. She excelled academically. In high school, she was at the top of her class, and she was also a member of the National Honor Society. So, pretty impressive. Not only that, but she was also a top-performing athlete. She played a lot of different sports, but her main achievements were as a cross-country runner. She was one of the top runners in the state of Massachusetts, and she even made it to the U.S. National Scholastic Outdoor Championships for the two-mile run when she was a sophomore. She finished 33rd, so she was really one of the top high school runners in the country. Wow. And yeah, if you don't know anything about cross country and how hard of a sport it is, we here on this podcast do. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, this person sounds like you and me just smashed together. Smart, you Runs good, me. I was never one of the smartest people in the country or one of the top runners in the country. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you're right. Yeah, I can't say I was ever one of the top cross-country runners in the nation. But I mean, I was pretty decent. I was all state in high school, and then I ran Division I college. You did. I wasn't that impressive, though. (laughs) I just did track and cross-country in high school. I didn't take it to your level. My favorite event was the mile and the 1500, which is a slightly shorter mile. A mile's technically 1,609 meters or something like that. Um, The 1500, it's a little shorter, 109 meters shorter than a mile. But 
those are my two favorite events, the mile and the 1500, because they're basically the same thing. And uh, my 1500 time was a 408, which isn't bad, but like the world record is probably 320 or 330 or something for a 1500. That's so insane. I can't remember any of my times or anything, but my best event and my favorite event was the 800 meter dash and then also the four by 800 meter relay. I don't remember exactly what my 5K time was, but I do remember it was just over 16 minutes. It was like 16.12 or 16.14. I think it was 16.14. So I would have loved to get under a 16-minute 5K. That would have been nice. Love that. So yeah, it's an incredibly challenging sport, both physically and mentally, and it's super competitive. So it's amazing what Mora was able to accomplish. So yeah, Mora could basically go to college wherever she wanted, and she originally went with the United States Military Academy at West Point, which is where her sister Julie was attending at the time. She was studying chemical engineering, and yeah, to go here, she had received a congressional nomination from Senator Edward Kennedy. So I looked this up, and a nomination is required to attend West Point. You have to get it from one of your state representatives or senators, or you have to be the child of someone who served several years of active duty in the military and get your nomination that way. Additionally, there are about 10,000 applicants per year for West Point, with approximately 1,000 people being accepted. And of course, she excelled in this environment as well. But in her sophomore year, she decided that she just wasn't super into the whole military thing. And she transferred to the University of Massachusetts to study nursing. Just trying to make sure everyone understands how smart she was and how active in her community she was so that we can do her justice. Because this was obviously a big part of who she was. I'm sure there was a lot more to her, but this is the information that we have. That's a hard turn from like military to nursing. Yeah. So she was studying um, chemical engineering in a military academy. And then she was like, no, I'm just going to go to a state school and do nursing. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. It's so easy to do that. <laughs> so on February 5th, 2004, Mora was at her campus security job. And sometime during her shift, she talked to her sister, Kathleen, on the phone, and it was a pretty upsetting conversation. Kathleen was having relationship problems, and apparently she was a recovering alcoholic who had just been discharged from rehab that day, but her husband had taken her to a liquor store before they even got home. What? Super weird, but that was the alleged fight that they were talking about. What if, okay, so if you ever get checked into any sort of rehab, when you get out, I'm not just going to take you to get whatever thing you were just trying to cure yourself from. Like, Well, thank what? you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Support is not giving somebody the thing that is going to hurt them. Did it's he just hate her them. that much that he wanted her back in rehab? Was that it? I have no idea. I don't know. There could be so many potential reasons. I feel like if somebody has an addiction like that, it's easier to control them. So it could be a control type of thing where somebody wants control over another person. So they want to keep them addicted. So they have easier control. And that's just one example. 
There are so many different possibilities that it could be. Yeah, so she was at work and she had this conversation sometime during her shift. And then later that night, while she was still at work, she broke down crying. And when her supervisor reached her, they found her completely unresponsive for a time. A couple hours later, they were able to get her safely back to her dorm. And when they asked Mora what was wrong, she replied, My sister. A couple days later, on February 7th, she attended a campus party, borrowing her father's car, as he was in town visiting her. At 3.30 in the morning, she left the party, and as she was driving back to her dad's motel to return his car, she hit a guardrail and tore up her dad's car in the process. Super easy to do. Could happen to any of us. And I'm not sure that had anything to do with what happened next, but... These events all occurred in the same week, so I'm mentioning all of them. Well, let's just take a second here to mention (laughs) the time that you hit a parked car. (laughs) Okay, um, so I'm thinking of two different times. You gotta be more specific. Whoa, wait. You hit two parked cars? So if you remember, one time I hit my dad's truck while I was backing out of my driveway. I, okay... I don't remember to the driveway. No, I don't remember that. I remember your dad asking you to back the truck up for him and you backed up his truck into the trailer that That was parked in the front yard. I do remember that. It was so long ago. I barely remember. And you dented his bumper. But the one I was talking about was when you hit a stranger's car in college. You were actually in my car. And then you're turning into a parking spot and you hit somebody's car. So yes, very easy to hit a guardrail or a parked car. It is. If you have a car, it's bound. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. What happened? Okay, so do you remember do you remember when we were at Magic Springs with a bunch of our friends? The day was over and we were going to leave. Yes. And then the car beside us, which was going to be the lead car on the way home, 
your friend looked over at us from the driver's seat and then gunned it. But what she didn't realize was she was in reverse and she slammed into the car right behind her. I do remember. That Wasn't is there, like, one miraculously of, no damage? There was no damage. And that's I why have, we didn't have to stick around. I have no idea why there was no... I mean, you wouldn't have to stick around. You would just need to at least leave a note with, like, your insurance and stuff. But, yeah, I have no idea how there was no damage. But that memory is one of the funniest things that I can recall in my entire life. Just her staring at us as she was going in reverse. And then when she hit the car, just her face... It's just hilarious. That actually reminds me of another story right after we moved here. We were just getting to know the area. And I remember being stopped at a stoplight waiting to go straight. It was like by Fred Meyer. And there was a kid in a Camaro or a Charger right next to me waiting to turn left. And he was like revving his engine and shit like a dumbass. He literally, <laughs> literally looked 16. 16 year olds should not be driving cars. Um, and I Thank say you. that I say that as someone who got my license at 16. 16 year olds should not be driving cars. But a lot of grown adults should not be driving cars either. Very much. But we've gone over that before. But anyway, this dumbass is like revving his engine at the red light. Right. And then it turns green. And he guns it and just slams into the car behind him. And then he just, his head went straight down, just <laughs> looking at his knees. And I, I was, I was, I just couldn't do anything but just laugh for 20 minutes straight <laughs> because that was comedy gold. I'm sure that was a lot more heartbreaking for the person who did it than the person who got hit. It was probably very heartbreaking for that kid's parents whose insurance just went through the roof because they now have a 16-year-old driver with a car accident on his record. That's what happens when you let 16-year-olds drive, but they got to learn. Now he knows. Hopefully. Maybe. We don't know that kid. (laughs) We can't make any assumptions here. (laughs) my assumption is that nobody knows how to drive except for me that's my assumption at all times okay all right so you've never made any mistakes i've never said i didn't say that i've never made mistakes i've just said that my assumption is that nobody else knows what the fuck they're doing so then i'm paying attention to everybody and i see the stupid shit before it happens i don't even like to go as soon as the light turns green Because there's usually five or six cars that are still going through the intersection. Yes. I love how I said... That's for my own safety. I love how I said that I assume that nobody knows how to drive. You just went with it. You weren't like, what about me? But yeah, even you. I just assume you don't know how to drive. That's why when we go anywhere together, I'm always the one driving. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the story. So, in the early hours of February 9th, at around midnight, Mora searched for some directions on MapQuest, because this was in 2004. You had to MapQuest it, and then you had to get in the car. You had to either memorize it, or you had to have the map with you in the car to know where you were going. Well, I never had to MapQuest anything, but I do remember my mom would print out 
sheets that had turn-by-turn directions, which is great until you miss a turn, and then you have no idea where the fuck you are. But she would she would print like a seven-page document <laughs> that had each turn from BB Arkansas to the Memphis Zoo or something like that. And I just, I look back at that and I just think of how funny of a point in time that was where you could map something on the computer, but you didn't have a way to physically see the map all the time because that does seem like it was a very short era. There were paper maps for a long time, but the printing something off and then taking it with you, I feel like that didn't last very long because then we had phones and GPSs pretty shortly after that. Yeah, I would hate learning how to drive in the early 2000s. Imagine doing Uber Eats, but for every delivery, you have to stop at the library and print directions (laughs) to the customer's house. (laughs) Uber Eats cannot be a thing. (laughs) They shouldn't be a thing right now. Just imagine if smartphones became a thing, but we never came up with like GPS. So you still have apps and stuff, but you don't have a GPS and you still have to like look up turn-by-turn instructions. It's funny. You said your mom would print out turn-by-turn instructions, but I remember my mom just sitting in front of the computer and just memorizing the whole thing and then not making the wrong turn. Your mom is wild. I know. No, no. Okay, what was crazy was last year when your mom flew from Arkansas. So she looked up the directions to get from the airport to... Uh, Annie's house and then she flew from Arkansas she flew to Idaho right like Boise or something and then drove to Annie's house from there all without her phone all without her phone because she left her phone at home in Arkansas at home in Arkansas so she looked up the information remembered the directions to get there I think she said she stopped once at a gas station to ask for directions (laughs) Imagine stopping at a gas station to ask for directions. I I can't imagine looking at directions and then immediately getting in the car and driving a two-hour trip. But your mom read those instructions, drove to the airport, flew across the country, and then picked up her rental car and still remembered all the instructions to get there. That's so impressive. I don't even know if I could pick up a rental car without my phone. Probably not. They probably wouldn't ask for like a confirmation number. I could probably just tell them my name. But that's insane. I don't know how she did it. That's so impressive. It is pretty impressive. In <laughs> this era where some people don't even know how to get to work without GPSing it. Like some people... <laughs> like they're everyday. Yeah, some people GPS their way to work just to make sure they're taking the fastest route. But there are some people who legitimately do not know how to get to their day-to-day job without a GPS to type it in. That is so funny. And yeah, I believe it. So she was looking for directions to the Berkshires and to Burlington, Vermont. This is just another random clue. Later, at 1 p.m., She sent an email to her boyfriend saying, I love you more, stud. I got your messages, but honestly, I didn't feel like talking too much to anyone. I promised to call today, though. Love you, Mora. 
She also made a three-minute phone call in which she tried to rent a condo in Bartlett, New Hampshire, and she was unsuccessful. Apparently, this was a place she had rented from with her parents before. So, Maura turned in her homework for her nursing class from her computer in her dorm, and she did not go to class. In fact, she emailed her professors and told them she would not be going to her classes for the next week because she had a death in the family. What's interesting is that there was no death in the family. (laughs) Keeping up her strange behavior, Maura proceeded to pack a bag full of supplies, enough to last for several days. She didn't pack anything crazy, just a bunch of mundane things that you would bring for any overnight stay. Toiletries, makeup, clothes, including workout gear, and some school books. So wherever she was going, she was only planning on being gone for the week, and it doesn't seem like she was going to completely slack off either. She was going to get in some studying and training. I told you she was an overachiever, even when she was running away. (laughs) She then made a call inquiring about hotels in Stowe, Vermont, and then she left her boyfriend a voicemail promising that they would talk later. At 3.15, according to bank records, Mora withdrew $280 from an ATM, which was nearly all she had. And then she spent $40 on alcohol at a nearby store. She departed the area about an hour later and started driving towards New Hampshire. And on her way to see whoever this was that she was going to meet, she got into a car accident in the town of Haverhill, New Hampshire. The accident was witnessed by a local woman named Faith Westman, who called the police and informed them that there was a car stuck in a ditch. After this, a bus driver came by, his name was Butch Atwood, and he asked Mora whether she needed him to call the police or not. She said no, she said that she had already called AAA. But Atwood wasn't convinced of her safety. He happened to know that there was no cell phone reception in that spot. He knew that because he lived just right down the road. So he drove home and called the police from inside. He told them that Mora didn't appear to be hurt, but seemed to be pretty shaken up. And four minutes after that, when an officer arrived at Mora's car, she was no longer there. Her car was locked, and they found the wine she had purchased in the back seat. Now, some other details are that there were several stains in the car, and there was also a Coke bottle containing some sort of red liquid. I'm guessing they didn't find it to be anything noteworthy. I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't determine what the liquid was. My other guess is that it was wine, because the stains did appear to be from wine, and they also found an empty beer bottle in the car, and... Some of the other alcohol purchased was missing, making it seem like she was maybe drinking and driving. In her car, they also found some other personal belongings. Her triple A card, gloves, makeup, jewelry, driving directions, a stuffed animal, and a mountain climbing book called Not Without Peril. She had taken her phone and all of her credit cards with her. The area was searched by a state trooper as well as the local police, fire department, and EMS, but Mora was not found, and she has still not been found to this day. She hasn't even had any activity on her cell phone. Three months later, a man came forward and said that he had seen a young person traveling a few miles east of where Mora's car was discovered on the night of her disappearance. And he waited to come forward because he didn't see the connection of these events right away, 
But yeah, if he got the date right, and even if he really did see Mora, it would be a clue, sure, but it didn't help solve the case. It was too late at that point. So Mora was reported as missing, and her father enlisted the help of the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department for the search. A dog was able to track Mora's scent 100 yards east of her car, but that was it, so it's likely that she left in another car. So there wasn't a whole lot of evidence on the scene. So far, what I'm finding very interesting is the fact that nothing really adds up. There's a death in the family, but there's not one. She submitted her homework, implying that she intended to come back. She took her books with her to study. Someone so smart, why would they drink and drive like i know like it's really not making any sense taking cash out of the bank account and then going to a liquor store you know you said maybe she was drinking and driving or something like that my thought was what if there was someone else in the car i didn't even think of that no witnesses seem to say that there was anybody else in the car and at least when she crashed yeah And, I mean, it could just be a possible kidnapping. I mean, it could have been her just trying to have a week away, a week vacation to pull herself together or whatever, and then got kidnapped after she crashed her car. That's possible. It's just, it all seems so weird. It is. It's so weird. So... Mora's boyfriend and his family were brought in for questioning, and the police came to the conclusion that Mora was either running away or planning to commit suicide, which her family didn't agree with either of those. Yeah. So apparently her boyfriend had gotten a voicemail on the flight over, and he believed it to be Mora crying. The call came from a calling card issued to the Red Cross. Very strange. So she very well could have been suicidal. The running away theory is interesting. Yeah, it's weird that she didn't tell anyone where she was going. And that supports the theory that she was running away. But what doesn't support that theory is that she only brought a few days worth of supplies with her. And she brought her books, making it seem like she actually had plans to return to school at some point. Unless she just wanted it to look that way. That's what seemed weird to me when I was considering, is this someone who's suicidal? Even if she took her books to make it look like she intended to come back, why would you submit your homework? You know? I know, but here's, here's another strange thing that she did that the police discovered. Um, so before she left her dorm on the day she went missing, she packed a lot of her stuff into boxes. And laying on top of one of the boxes was a printed copy of an email that she had sent to her boyfriend, and it revealed that they had been having problems in their relationship. So maybe she was planning on running away more long term? She did pack her dorm up in the middle of the semester, and if she was really planning on being away for a few days and then returning to her normal life, she would have told someone she was going on a trip. If not, where she was actually going. Like, she didn't have to say where she was going. She just had to say she was going somewhere. Because 100%, she knew that there would be a lot of questions when she got back. 
It really makes it seem as if <laughs> she planned to go away long term. But mm. it doesn't add up because she turned in her homework. She brought her school books. Like, I don't get it. It's weird because it does seem like she was planning on coming back, but it also seems like she didn't plan on coming back. And things seem too nice and neat for this to be like a kidnapping scenario. I mean, I she could have been kidnapped off the side of the road. I'm saying from the jump. Because usually if someone disappears and money went missing from their bank account, and then you saw that they were a sketchy place like a liquor store spending more than they usually would. This might be normal for her. But if you saw that they spent more money at a liquor store than they normally would, um, well, it's highly probable that either A, that credit card was stolen, or B, that person was kidnapped and being taken to all these locations and things. But... Everything just seems too nice and neat for all of that. Like she had time to pack her boxes. She brought her school books. She brought workout clothes. She had packed supplies. This didn't seem like somebody had a gun and grabbed her and told her get in the car and start driving. Like it's too planned out. There's too many. There were too many steps that took time. She map quested. She inquired about rentals. Yeah, I'm just so interested to see where this goes, but you also did say that she's never been found, so I feel like there's going to be no... No, it's not going (laughs) No happy conclusions here. (laughs) Here's another weird clue that can mean something or could just be someone's memory being a little off. So the police first arrived at Mora's car at 7.46 that night, but a local woman claimed that she had passed the car at around 7.37 and seen a parked police SUV facing Moro's car. Apparently, she decided to stop and she saw that both cars were empty before deciding to leave. Interesting that she felt the need to stop, if that's true. I see weird shit on the side of the road all the time and I just keep driving. (laughs) I mean, I see weird stuff, but I take note of it. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is a little weird to just have... A police car pulled over facing the other car. Is that a thing? Like, it doesn't seem like a thing. I mean, it could happen. One weird thing that happened to me tonight is I was driving through a very wooded area at night when it was dark and it was this curvy road and I came around this curve and then there was a car just barely pulled off the road with four people standing around it. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, it just seemed so out of place to me. It was weird, but that was something that I noticed. Yeah, because you were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Didn't expect to see anyone. It was kind of creepy. Yeah, I came around the corner and I slammed on my brakes. I mean, I didn't completely come to a stop, but I slowed down quite rapidly because it was a curvy road. And it, it just threw me off to just see people standing there. Anytime I'm driving at night in a remote area. I'm always thinking, what if I just saw somebody standing in the road? Luckily, they weren't in the road. They were off the road, but so creepy. They didn't have any flashers on. Nobody tried to wave me down like they were in trouble or anything. But even if they had, I'm not sure I would have stopped in that scenario because it was such a secluded area. Uh It was four guys. And it didn't really look like there was anything wrong with the car. <laughs> I can't say that I would have stopped in that scenario. I sure as hell wouldn't. 
I mean, I'm the kind of person that I'll see something and keep driving, but I'll call. One time in Jonesboro, I saw a girl and a guy. They looked early 20s, late teens, 19, 20, 21, something like that. Uh, It was a guy and a girl, and they were clearly in a fight. But at one point, it looked like the guy was about to punch her. Like, he raised his fist up and, like, acted like he was going to, but didn't actually do it. And uh, they started cutting through someone's yard. So I called the police, and I just kind of looped around to the next street over. And they saw me again. They saw me both times. And I just let them know what they were wearing and where they were going. And I don't know if anything ever came of it, but that's the kind of thing where it's like, I'm not going to put myself in danger and get out of the car in that scenario, but I will call somebody who's better equipped to deal with the situation. Yeah. You did all you could do. Like, that's awesome. I mean, in this situation with, it kind of looked like the police had arrived at the scene. So I'm not sure why she felt the need to get out and check. But, I mean, that is a clue, so I'm mentioning it here. So yeah, the FBI got involved 10 days after Mora's disappearance, and the search became nationwide. On March 2nd, her family returned to their home, but her father, Fred, returned to the area almost every weekend to continue the search. There was a similar disappearance in the area soon after, with a woman named Brianna Maitland raising concerns of a serial killer. But the police did not believe in any connection between the two cases. They still maintained that Mora was headed for an unknown destination and may have accepted a ride in order to continue to that location. At one point, a man came forward to Fred, saying that he believed that his criminal brother had killed Mora because he remembered his brother and his brother's girlfriend acting weird the night of Mora's disappearance. He gave his brother's knife to Fred to be studied as evidence, but the family of the man handing over the knife later said that he was on drugs and just looking to get some reward money. So nothing came of that. Interestingly, though, at one point during the investigation, cadaver dogs did find something that could have been human remains in that guy's brother's closet. And if you ask Fred, he believes even today that his daughter is dead and that those were her remains. It gets really tricky, though, when you're searching someone's property. The owners didn't want their entire home being looked at too closely, and that was technically their right. And by the time the house was sold to new owners, who were more willing to cooperate, there was no sign of any human remains. If anything, just some old pottery and piping. You think they went in there and cleaned it up? Destroyed the evidence? That's really sus. (laughs) What the fuck? Isn't that strange? It was just gone by the time they searched it. How? This has been ongoing for so many years at this point. How did the dogs get close enough to potentially identify human remains? And then how at that point is that not enough evidence to get a search warrant? And it wasn't disclosed like whether they looked too closely at what they thought were the human remains. There's a lot of just like privacy issues with this case as well but yeah i i found that very strange because it's like if they were in there and it was incriminating i feel like it could have been used 
if the search of the property was legal, but they make it sound like the property was never searched. I know. But how would the dog have potentially identified human remains if it hadn't been searched? I don't know. I'm really confused about that, too, because they wouldn't be able to detect it from the outside, right? Maybe. Maybe. Like, dogs have really good sense of smell, so it's possible that a dog could stand outside of a home and alert you that there's possible human remains in that home. But then the police officers wouldn't have known what room these suspected remains were in. The fact that they said it was the brother's closet, I don't know. Yeah, me either. Like, it's just kind of unclear. But anyway, the FBI is technically still working on this case and still trying to figure out what really happened to Mora. This is also known as the first crime mystery of the social media age. This means there were a lot of people at home trying to solve this on their own. There were MySpace and Facebook forums dedicated to the case, and social media itself was a big deal as Facebook had launched only five days prior to when Mora went missing. So this was really big news back when it first happened. And there are still people out there who come in and attempt to solve this case. I could see this one getting solved one day, Why not? Someone could come in and put all the pieces together. It definitely happens, sometimes many years later. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there definitely are a lot of cases that get solved many years later. It sounds like this one, they might have their suspicions as to what has happened. So this one could get solved. Definitely the dad does. But for now, it's a chilling incident to reflect on for sure. So... Don't plan a secret vacation across state lines, but if you have to, be careful out there. Yeah, always let at least one person know where you're going. This is definitely an interesting case. I wish we knew her motives for her trip. Um, It could have just been to decompress and relax. Seems weird that someone so smart would drink and drive. That just seems so weird to me. I guess alcoholism does have a potential genetic component, I think I've heard. I think if your parents are alcoholics, you're more likely to be one. Mm -hmm. So if her sister was one, maybe she has some sort of gene for it. But it didn't seem like that was an issue in her life. So I don't know why she would be drinking and driving, but it does seem like she didn't have the greatest driving record. (laughs) No, not at all. Um. Yeah, it's just, it's really weird. To me, it sounds like she was kidnapped off the side of the road, and then who knows what happened from there. Really? I mean, the rest of her behavior is super strange. It is. And I wish we had some sort of explanation for it, but I feel like there's a good chance that all of that happened, and then separately, she was picked up by someone or something at the scene of the accident, which is super weird. Because the police were on their way. She disappeared within minutes. Almost like she ran and was trying to get away. And she told that bus driver that he didn't need to call the police. She had already called AAA. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, there is no signal out here. Mm -hmm. So did she not want the police to come across her? I mean, I guess she wouldn't because she didn't tell her parents where she was going. It almost seems like she just wasn't in the right state of mind. Because... 
Yeah. You also mentioned that she was unresponsive for a few mm-hmm. minutes when people at work tried to talk to her. Right. When she was like super upset. It could have had to do with that. That could have just set off something else in her. She could have just been having some sort of mental breakdown mm-hmm. that contributed to her behavior uh, and her strange series of events. And then, yeah, I, I think something just really unfortunate happened. She was kidnapped or killed or whatever, kidnapped and killed, you know, whatever the case may be. And I think it, I honestly think it was just a coincidence that all her weird behaviors and her disappearance happened around the same time. I, I know, to because me, how could she arrange it to where she had somebody come pick her up? There's no cell phone records. And how would they find her at that exact spot unless they had planned the crash in advance? I'm going to crash right here. Can you come get me right here? Which could have happened. It could have been a very elaborate fake your death kind of story. I remember there used to be a show called I Faked My Death or something along those lines. And I remember watching an episode or two of it, which was pretty interesting. I love that. Um, How often did people fake their own death? I don't know, but how... (laughs) I wonder how often do people do it and get away with it? Could that be what happened here? I don't think so, but if that's what did happen, she faked her death. That would be pretty interesting. If, who knows, maybe she was involved with the wrong crowd and this was a witness protection kind of thing. And so they set this up for, that would be Maybe. really cool. That like, would was be she really afraid of someone. That would be a cool ending to a, sto- to the story as if, you know, we found out 40 years from now that she was actually in witness protection. But the thing is you would never know that she was in witness protection. We would never actually find that out. <laughs> Obviously I don't think that's where the story went, but That's the happiest ending that I can think of is that she faked her death or went into like witness protection or something like that, even though there seems to be no reason for her to do that. That's just the happiest ending in my (laughs) mind. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. Yeah, it's just so puzzling. I feel like the police are probably right. She was either running away or had some kind of mental breakdown. Could have been suicidal. I feel like that's, that's really what it probably was we just don't have all the details there's just a lot of things that contradict each other here and so when you're looking at it rationally it doesn't make sense but if it was somebody in a psychotic episode or a manic episode or whatever then their actions may not be reasonable yeah and then there's also the possibility like we said that maybe her actions were reasonable and then something else just coincidentally happened at the same time to make it all super confusing we really have no idea everything seemed to point to her coming back all right well i think that's it for this episode and if you all enjoyed this one and you want to support the podcast the best thing you can do is leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and be sure to give us a follow if you want to hear a new episode every monday wednesday and friday If you have any stories or case recommendations that you want to send in, you can send those in to becarefulouttherepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, be be careful careful out out there. there.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 